What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Motor City Metrics. This is my official debut on the Motor City Metrics. I've been away for a week. It's been an interesting week, to say the least. Me and Yupa here, Raj and Chris, should be hopefully joining us soon. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And Yupa, how you been? I know it was your birthday. I, I didn't have any Wi-Fi, but I made sure to text you when I did. How you I doing appreciate tonight? it. Yep. Had a How great you... birthday. Went well. Did some stuff with some people from work. Did some things with my wife here. My daughter came home for the weekend. So it was a good time. Watched a lot of baseball. Went to a community college baseball game with my son. So we, we had a good birthday celebration. Week long, I would say. So, and how was your trip? The big yes. cruise. It was fun. I'd never been on a cruise, but I would definitely go again. The best part about it was just meeting a lot of new people. Like the last day. I met Does a lot of women. A couple. Oh, okay. Be sure. <laughs> okay. We go to the. I go to the dance clubs and I met some people and we're gonna hopefully keep in touch. And it was fun. Right. Yeah. I was definitely hopefully gonna go again, but it was much needed. I did keep up with the Tigers. Did watch some highlights. Was able to catch the opening day game and yeah, was able to catch the the last couple games of the home, the series against Boston. But yeah, today. I mean, today wasn't a rough game. I think. Really, what was rough was the game yesterday, the Joy Winch start. If you want to get into that, what you saw, because that was pro probably the worst loss of this season for them. Yeah, you know, you know going you over back, this Red Sox series. When, when you think about where they've been this year, nobody's real happy. No one's having a whole lot of fun watching this team. But the, yeah, the game two against the Red Sox with Wentz, that was really a non-competitive game. Pitching staff really showed a lot of warts. And the old saying, well, we, we say a lot of bad things about walks and they come back to haunt you. And Wentz was wild. He just couldn't find the groove. And he turned it over to the bullpen and they were no better. And we ended up with a Zach McKinstry appearance on the mound. Or just think about where this team is and what the expectations were. I don't think anybody really had very high expectations for this team, but I think people thought they could be at least competitive on a nightly basis. And boy, right now, it's hard to really get a feel for how they're going to do that. The Tampa series, obviously, they lost every game by at least four runs. They came out in Houston and won two games and got everybody a little bit excited. But then they dropped the, the final one there. And opening day at home, they get out to a 3 nothing lead on the Red Sox. And you're thinking, okay, they can get this one. They dropped that game and then they're non-competitive over the weekend. And they're two and seven. And where we are, you know, where this team goes, you and I were talking just a minute ago. The next 31 games are against teams that were over 500 last year. Yeah. To the two and seven start, the Tampa Bay Rays are playing unbelievable. They, de they deserve a podcast to themselves with like the store. They're doing something that's historic, just beating teams the way that they are. Houston, we obviously know, is one of the best teams in, in baseball, even though the Tigers were to take two out of three from them. But I think the, the Boston series, I, I don't particularly view Boston as a contender in the American League. And that series was really, really eye-opening to me, at least for the starting pitching. I think the starting pitching was something I was higher on coming mm -hmm. into the season. And it just really, really hasn't looked that great. There have been a few bright spots, and we want to stay as positive as we can be. But Joey Wentz obviously was not able to find the strike zone. And that was a game that, you know, you say you let your opponents make mistakes. Boston let the Tigers and Joey Wentz make mistakes because they had eight runs with only three hits. That's, that's not <laughs> the type of way you want to lose a game. And I saw a, a graphic on the game today. These numbers are, are obviously going to be updated after the game was over. This was during the middle of the game. But the own the zone objective, I post this <laughs> on Twitter. Tigers for for their hitters, they're they're 27th in baseball for walk rate. They're 25th, and then for their pitchers, they're 30th in strikeout rate and 19th in walk rate. So that those are probably going to fluctuate a little bit. But uh, the story of there is own the zone. That hasn't been the case, especially with the pitching. What have you seen from their pitching so far? I think the bullpen's been decent some some relievers have struggled some of them have been good but i think the pitching starting pitching has really been the surprise for me yeah and also i i the number i saw today is so far tiger starters have been responsible for 39 innings so far which is the lowest in major league baseball so they're not they're not getting high performance out of their starters they're also not getting much quantity out of them either so they're stretching the bullpen out early as well by not putting any innings in. I was a 67 win guy prediction at the beginning of the year. 
And I was even feeling weak about that. I wasn't sure how they're going to get there, but I wanted to be optimistic. And part of the reason why we pointed out on this podcast several times over the winter, how they had nobody coming back who even threw a hundred innings last year. So it was, I just felt it was really hard. It was really hard to put a lot of expectation on that. You're asking for Chris Fetter to work some miracles. <laughs> and so far, the, the miracles have been few and far between. I don't put it on the pitching staff, on pitching coaches. But I think right now they just have a team that they're just short. They're short, they're short on pitching. They just they don't have the, the horse to ride. Horses, for sure. Yeah, and I was listening to, to Chris Castanelli, his, his get a review after the game. And he was saying, like, he really likes the the staff this team has built, all the guys that Scott Harris has brought in. And I would have to agree with that. I don't think this is so much. Obviously, Scott Kubal, he was fired last year. I don't think this is so much about the staff, more so the players. The players just need to perform. And I don't think the the staff, the pitching coaches, the hitting coaches have been given the talent to be able to succeed. But if you look at the starting pitching, Spencer Turnbull, He's been really, really rough. I don't know. I think you could have maybe seen this coming, him adjusting back to major league hitting. Um, but yeah, Joey Wentz, ERA over 10. Turnbull's ERA is over 13. And Werner Rodriguez, I think, has been decent. He had a, a couple of opening day, most of his earned runs. I don't remember the reliever exactly who came in, gave up some runs. So that wasn't really Erod giving up those runs. I think he's been decent. And then Matt Manning was solid in his first start. And then Matt Boyd. I think Matt Boyd has probably been the bright spot in the rotation. If we want to stick to the positive, I thought Matt Boyd was pretty solid today. Kept Devers in check for the most part. And I think through two starts, he's probably been the one bright spot in the rotation. As bright as it, as bright as it can get. <laughs> I was trying to find an artful way to say that. Yeah, that's one way to put it, the bright spot. He's at least been competitive, right? He has been on the mound. He's kept the Tigers in the game. Hopefully he will continue to do that. But really, I think the big thing now, it's just, even though it's just nine games, we can see the Tigers don't have a starting pitcher on board right now who's going to strike fear in the hearts of anybody, right? They, they don't have the big strikeout monsters. They don't have anybody with a, a pitch that's renowned throughout the league as unhittable. They don't have anybody who you see just going out there on a night, every every five days and dominating. That guy, excuse me, does not exist in Detroit right now. So they're going to have to try to patch this together through the year between what they have on staff and what they have depth-wise. It's really hard to see where that's going to come from. Yeah, I don't, the one bright spot could be Matt Manning. I thought his start against the Astros only gave up two earned runs in five and two-thirds inning pitch. So maybe Matt Manning could be that. Obviously, I think there's a lot of doubt there. But if he could potentially be that horse for this rotation. But other than that, yeah, like Michael Lorenzen, he had a rehab start in AAA. Hopefully we can see him back. Bo Brisky, I really am not sure when to expect Bo Brisky back. Do we have any idea like what he's, I know it's an arm issue. Like I don't even really know if we have a timetable for him. They haven't put a timetable on it, but it doesn't sound imminent by any stretch. I, I would be shocked right now because even if he were to start, they're going to have to build him back up. I I think I know some people don't think that we'll see him this year. I would be stunned if he's back before the All Star break. From what you know, what the whispers that have been out there about him. Yeah, and this is what we were talking about before the podcast started: was how early is it to really not cause for concern? Because we didn't have high expectations for this team to begin with, but I, fans do have the the right to be upset because they've been bad for so long. At, at some point, you just get used to losing to losing, and I think a lot of people have, but. We we said 40 games, the next 31 are all against teams that were over 500. Like, how upset can you really get? I don't really know. I think most years, let's say, let's say they just gotten done with a stretch of winning baseball. And this was a rebuilding starting now. They, they had contended as recently as two years ago, which they haven't, obviously. But let's say they had. People wouldn't have that excuse of, oh, we're sick of rebuilding. Okay. So now you could just say, okay, now they, they, they're a bad team. They need to strip it down and start over and they're rebuilding. Great. We've been through a couple of rebuilds already in the last decade. So it's hard for them to sell that now as, well, we got a new guy in charge. We're going to strip it down again and rebuild it up. 
it's just ringing on deaf ears, right? There's so many folks who are just sick of the, the level of baseball that they've had. They're sick of having the standings being meaningless by the early May most of the time. So it is hard for, for fans to put up with this right now. They want to see a product that's at least improving, right? That there's hope for. But right now, there's not a lot of hope. They're playing very bad baseball. They were predicted to be a bad baseball team, and they're playing worse <laughs> than the predictions were. So it's an ugly situation. And one thing, when it gets this bad, at certain points in my professional life, we've had organizations that were new and struggling and whatever. And a question I always like to ask is, forget about everything that's bad right now. What are we doing that's good? What's working? What can we hang our hand on? So I like to try to apply that to sports teams too when they're going badly. And when you look at this Tiger team, what's going well? And under there's a couple maybe individuals who are doing okay, right? We talked about Carpenter. We talked about at least Torkelson is showing signs of life. And those are some good things. But if you look at the broader picture, starting pitching, we just talked about it, weak. Bullpen, weak. Offense, total in total, they're not scoring a lot of runs. Defense, maybe at times they've made some nice plays, but they've, they've had some sloppiness too. There's just nothing right now as a team that they can hang their hat on and say, yeah, at least if nothing else, we're doing this well. And that's a hard place to be. And that's certainly a hard ticket for them to sell to people. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing, like with the Pistons, their rebuild has been all but pretty much as long, almost as bad as the Tigers. But the thing is that fans maybe have just come, become numb to losing there as well. But just trying to find positives, just trying to look at trends or individual performances that maybe we can look at. And you mentioned some guys already. I do think there is a couple bullpen arms that you could be intrigued with and be happy with. I think Mason Engler, five and a third in, or yeah, five and a third innings pitched, uh, mm -hmm. has only given up one earned run. I think he's a guy that if Wins continues to struggle, if Turnbull continues to struggle, could get some starts. So I think that's a, a positive, and that that's a, a Scott Harris guy as well. And obviously, we know people from the Texas Rangers were very upset to lose him, and only twenty three years old. Mm -hmm. I think he's a guy that you could potentially build around for the future. Alex Lange has only thrown two and two-thirds innings, but I think he looked pretty solid today. And uh, Jason Foley, I thought Jason Foley looked really, really good today. His velocity was up there today. And those guys are both relatively young, too, both 27 years old. So those are at least three relievers who you have control of for the future that uh, maybe if they're not you know, with you for the long term, you could potentially trade them down the line. Fully, potentially. Uh, I, I, I guess there is that possibility. Hey, there he is. Hello. Yeah. So right, we're just, we're trying to be positive, Raj. So we're trying to talk about some some good things that we've seen. Oh, we just got another one. Yeah, that's what's Chris right there. I'm, I'm going to just say something. It's something that I wanted to just, a little bit of a rant, if you will. Not a, a little bit, a little bit of a, a, kind of a blowing off steam here with this. But look. I have to remember that there's Tiger fans outside of Twitter and there's Tiger fans that are everywhere in every platform. But some of the things I saw this weekend about Austin Meadows and his condition and commenting was just disgusting. Guy's a human being. How the Tigers played this weekend, and we'll, we'll talk about that here in a minute because there's some things that I, I on Saturday, they seem a little off. We'll talk about that. This team is not good, okay? We know this, and the amount of anger after nine games of this is going to be the worst season ever, I think is a little ridiculous. I understand this team is bad, and that's, in terms of what Larry's saying, Larry Love in our chat says, the time is now for Hinch to face criticism. This is your through with not a lot of talent and the lack of fundamentals. Larry's right. I can't, I can't argue that. What I saw this weekend especially with Eric Haas behind the plate a little bit and some of the things that are very concerning. You should be concerned. But I, again, I think I'm going to wait till 40 games before I'm going to, I'm going to sit there and say this season is a wash. And there, it doesn't look good going into Toronto. Toronto is a very good team. It's going to be their home opener. Plus Toronto has moved in their fences. 
they've changed their fence dimension. <laughs> so is it, it's one of those things where, and Hinch is not going to do that. Hinch is pissed. He said shit. He said shit. The word shit today. And he, I mean, he, look, I, going down there in the last couple of days in the press room, he is. You could tell there's. It's the same kind of like it's building. Right now, <laughs> he's trying to steer the ship because it's way too early for him, and, and they can't. They're not in. As he said, they're not. It's not every. It's a paraphrasing, but just a little bit that one day at a time, one day at a time kind of thing for him. But you don't think he doesn't know that his team is bad? Yeah, of course he does. What are they going to do about it? They could have, again, people already said Harris should have spent. On what? On what? In the, some of the names out there, do you think they really wanted to come here? We don't know that. We don't know. And the, the, the thing is, ultimately, right now, is, yes, you should be mad. You have every right to be mad. I'm not disputing that whatsoever. And is this start really sucks. But some of the things I've just seen about almost, it, it just feels like the sky is falling already. And I don't know, like the, the offense is, they're being outscored. Their bullpen is, the bullpen is where I don't understand. We talked about this numerous times. How'd you not address the bullpen more outside of taking, you look at the, the positive trade wing headers at a good inning. That's great. But we can't. It's just gonna. It's gonna be a long season, folks. But for now, I'm not going to have a full meltdown until I see more. And right now, the Houston series was like a. It was a nice little a tease. Ooh, look. Mm, you know what the Tigers can be. And against Boston, Saturday's game was one of the worst games I've ever sat through in my life. Non-competitive. Non-competitive. They got competitive towards the end, but again, it didn't matter. But at that point, it didn't matter. And today. <laughs> They got a couple runners on base, but just couldn't pull the trigger. You shouldn't have Zach. What, what's his face again? McKinstry. McKinstry on a bases loaded situation. And somebody asked, why can they put Matt Verling out there and let him bat? Well, Matt Verling was 0 for 3 against Jensen. All right. Okay. Yeah, but I, I, are people really blaming A.J. Hintz? Like, A.J. Hintz is not the one up there batting. Like, this offense couldn't score today. Like, Joe, he's not up there. Pitching like Joey Wentz couldn't throw any strikes. Are are we really going to blame AJ Hinch for this? There, you see some valid criticism about Rahelia was saying, "Why aren't you pinch pinch hitting for this guy here or pinch running for that guy?" I generally have have had very little issues or issue with with AJ Hinch's in game managing over the years. I think he's thoughtful. I think he thinks these things through ahead of time. I, I don't think he ever gets really caught off guard. And and there's always a reason for him doing something. Whether or not that reason's good, I don't know. Like. Zach McKinstry hasn't been a great big leaguer. Neither has Matt Veerling. But uh, do you make a decision because he's 0 for 3 against a guy? I don't know. But it, it doesn't really matter because I do think the overall point is is this was a very bad team last year. And from we don't know this for sure, but based on what they did, it sure seemed like Scott Harris was constrained on what he could spend money on, how much he could spend. And so his choices were, do I go for spending money on free agent hitters? Do I spend money on the bullpen? Do I spend money trying to get some pitching, some starting pitching? And I think he looked at it and said, the starting pitching is the biggest area of concern, even though it was a historically bad offense. He thought, maybe I can trade some relievers for some hitters. And he did that. Now, I, I don't think, I don't know. We haven't seen Nick Maton much. We saw him in spring training, and he looked good, and we've seen him through seven, eight games this year. I don't think he's, like, going to hit .90. <laughs> I don't think so. It's 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 a really rough start. I don't think Javi Baez is going to hit under 200. There's just a lot of guys off to bad starts. Yeah. And it's all happening at the same time. And it's baseball. And if it didn't happen, if it happened a month from now, we might not notice. But when you start like this, it, it people really get upset. And this is three years in a row where it started like this. So I understand the criticism. But it's, you know, two years ago, everybody was hailing A.J. Hinch for turning a, a bad roster into a, a, a near 500 team. And then last year, everything went to hell. And so far this year, things aren't looking great, but it's it's just so early. I Like like Raj said, the 40-game thing has been around forever. I think it's valid. I also understand why people are upset because it's been non-competitive baseball. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I what if, You can complain about Hinch. Nothing's going to change. I, I don't, you're just yelling at the moon. Just before you guys came on, John and I were talking. Something I, t- I ask people at work all the time over the years is, what are we doing good? What are we good at? 
what, what can we hang our hat on? And what the, the Tigers in the situation they're in, when you look at the bullpen, man, starting pitching, offense, defense, maybe a little better. Where would you say is the one thing they can hang their hat on and say, hey, we do this okay, and we can use that going forward to build from? You know what? Go ahead, Chris. Oh, I got I got nothing right now. Yeah, that's no, a hard place to be in. No, it, it, <laughs> no, it is. The only thing I can say, the only thing I can say that they can hang their hat on is individual, in terms of like individual performances or yeah. individual in general. Matt Boyd started today. He ran out of gas a little bit, but his stuff was not bad. Considering where he's been, again, second start after surgery, the fact they kept the ball in the yard is one thing. I mean, like it's, for one, but two, I look at Akil Badu. Akil Badu, first and foremost, there's this stereotype that he's a 4A player, and I wish that people would just shut the F up about that because if he was a 4A player, he would not be the, one of the first people to get called up. And he, yesterday when he spoke to us, this this, this was Badu's schedule, okay? He got up at 4.30 in the morning in Omaha. He got the, he, last night, be ready. You he, After the game, he found out he was going to be called up. So he got up at 4 30 in the morning, took a flight from Omaha at 7 30 in the morning, got to his apartment in Ohio, got his stuff, and went to the hotel. Keep in mind that when the clubhouse opened, we had no idea. We had we had literally no idea until 25, until everybody found out at the same time about Austin Meadows. Mm-hmm. So he literally came up there probably within Again, again, this is all just speculation, but somewhere in the neighborhood between one thirty and two o'clock, and we by then we're back upstairs. We we talked with Hinch about one twenty, so it was. He and then he came up, got two hits. Then he came back today and got two more hits today. And Sergio probably said, "Fans, when fans see a light at the end of the tunnel, this is this is why they get upset." And. Again, those, you know, to answer your question like that, Uber, I think I see individual performances versus as a collective because the bullpens yep. are already taxed. They're not striking out anybody. You could take about Shreve today with a pair of strikeouts, but, oh, the game was mm-hmm. out of hand at that point. And, yeah, and Jake Rogers, you know what, Taylor's right. Jake, Jake Rogers, even as a catcher, purely as a catcher, it's night and day compared to Eric Koss out there. Night and day. He's framing better, and he's – Calling a game. And one of the things he said yesterday was the pitch that he was talking about Wentz getting squeezed a little bit. And Wentz was a little squeezed. But however, you walk five, walk somebody on four straight pitches and help your cause. But anyway, the way he's calling the game and putting these guys in there, I guess some credit. You know, it's interesting though, that you're, we're, we're on the same page. Before you guys got here, I just said individual, yes. But in terms of in the larger scope of things, Parts of the team that you can really rely on. They just don't have anything right now as a, as a collective. I think their bullpen is not as bad as you guys are making out to be. I think their starting pitching has just been so bad that their their bullpen is being taxed so much. Here's Chris. Go ahead. Oh, it's I I I can't think of every single start. The the one real stinker that I remember was Turnbull in Tampa. A lot of the outings. It seems like the starter is going four, five, and then leaving with some guys on base, and it's every damn time those guys come in and score, <laughs> and it makes their numbers look. It's still the earned run, right? But when when you leave two men on and they both score, that's not necessarily your fault. So I think that those numbers look bad. I don't know. I I also think maybe in Scott Harris's mind, in an ideal world, they sign Lorenz and they sign Boyd. They make fifteen, twenty starts for him over the course of the season, and then some help comes up from the minors and those guys move into the bullpen and suddenly you've, you've fixed two issues, but uh, so far, not, not great. Lorenzen had two good innings in Toledo the other day and then melted down in his third and walked three <laughs> guys. So it's like not a whole lot different than what's going on in the big leagues, but yeah, it's, it's hard to point out anything exciting right now. And, and like, I understand the frustration from fans too, because even, even the guys we're supposed to be excited about like Riley green, He's striking out 32% of the time, hitting everything. He's pulling everything on the ground. It's not great. He can hit home runs. He can hit the ball in the air to the pole field. There's a video of all his home runs from 2021 on the <laughs> Tigers Monday League reports that you can look at. Ten of them, at least, are to the pole field. He can do it. He just hasn't done it much in the big leagues for whatever reason. And then you got Torkelson, who was hitting the hell out of the ball in spring, still hitting the ball hard, but in in all the underlying metrics look great and then you look up and he's got a 60 wrc plus and one home run and it's i understand the fan frustration it's just got to be when when are these guys finally going to produce and it's just it's it's 
I don't know if there's much worse than watching baseball with an inept offense. It just it makes you feel like it's just it's like twenty soul sucking years. Yeah, it's three hours of failure every five minutes. Yeah, it's just like oh. at least this year it's only two hours and thirty five minutes. <laughs> and by the way, I put it in the chat. By the way, old BK, he's right about that. I think that is that that is right. The the pen has mm-hmm. allowed twenty two of eighteen inherited runs to score. And one of the things that the reason why John, I disagree with you about the bullpen, or respectively disagree with you, I should say, because is that stat right there? And this is a staff that the ERA is six point eight nine. For but then again, I look at it this way. So I was thinking about this. In terms of reliever, okay, this is where this is a stat. I'll, I'll this well, let me part. I was going to say at least I'll get back to it in a second. Tigers as a bullpen right now, 6.69. That is not nice. That is not nice for K per nine. So, yeah, their bullpen, and the reason why, too, is also Jose Cisnero, which is his slider, which is has shown better spin. It's actually spinning higher. But he hasn't got any swings and misses. So if you if you're a batter and all you're waiting for is that fastball and that quote unquote changeup he throws, you can sit on his fastball and, and nail it. And Foley pitched well today, but Foley's also allowed a lot of he's allowed runners to score. So at least we're not. This is what I wanted to wait on. At least we're not the Oakland A's. Look at look at the Oakland A's. They have so you're you're asking how bad are the Oakland A's? Well, ladies and gentlemen, the Oakland A's are. They have the same record as the Tigers. They're, they're two and seven, right? But this is where it gets bad. Oakland has a run differential of minus 45. And they don't, it doesn't, oh, name me four or five A players in terms of their, their tag. They're, they're talking about this is a, they have 13 games in 13 days. Can you imagine being an A's fan? The A's didn't even, like, the Tigers. Whatever you can sit there and say about their offseason, they didn't try. Oakland was like, "We're giving you away. Screw you. We don't care." Again, just trying to look at it from from that standpoint. They got today. They lost to the Rays eleven nothing. They got smoked, absolutely smoked. I, I want the Tigers to be better than the A's. Yes, I think that's a a decent baseline. Right now, they both look awful. I, people have been pointing out that the Rays have started 9-0. They keep winning by 4-plus, which was his stat the other day. But they have played probably the three worst teams in baseball to start the year. Yeah. So it's, uh, I don't know. But sometimes you got to beat the bad teams. The Astros couldn't do it. Red Sox did. But, uh, yeah, I did see, like, for the Rays, note like the teams that they've beaten, the, the Nationals won a series from somebody decent. I forget who. And then the Tigers beat the Astros anyway. Some of the teams that, that they have been crushing – we're at least competitive in other series. Yeah. And, and and you have to consider, too, maybe it's when you look at the teams like the Pirates who won back-to-back series, and they only did that once last year, and they're off a good series, but then they got some bad news today Oof. as Onel Cruz is out, going to be out for a while. Looked he, bad. It looked really bad. The fact that he was, when, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, but when the whole, when the, the brawl broke out, the bench is cleared. He was just still laying there and no one gave up. Yeah, they were, it looked, they, they moved the mass of people down the baseline enough to keep him on a harm's way. But if, if that had really broken into something, that, that was, that could have been very bad where he was laying there with a busted foot. Yeah. But I think the one positive I also want to add is the thing that Scott Harris did this offseason was to try to build up as much depth as he possibly can. So when guys, bullpen arms like Tyler Alexander and Garrett Hill and and other guys like that have struggled, you have guys like Kervon Castro, Miguel DePozo, you have Alex Fideo, Brandon White, Michael Lorenzen's obviously going to come back from injuries. You have guys that are going to have that opportunity. It's not like last year where these guys are going to struggle and you have no, really no other options. I think if these guys continue to struggle over the next coming weeks, they're simply just going to be sent down and other guys are going to get an opportunity. By the way, we just on before we answer or before I or we get to your question there, John. They the picture they have for Odell Cruz on here. If you're watching us on YouTube, so the caption is fractured ankle and collision, benches clear around him. But then on the bottom, it's based solely on the wins and losses thus far. The Pirates should be basking in good vibes. 
They won six out of their first nine games. They won back-to-back series, a feat they pulled just once last season. They are, in short, playing good baseball, following their one nothing win. Could you use a better cat picture for that caption, please? <laughs> there he is. There's Perez in, or no, sorry, Cruz in clearly in pain, and that's the picture. Yeah, that is. I, I didn't realize they were off to such a nice start. That's good. It's very unfortunate. O'Neill Cruz is one of the more exciting players in baseball. I think Sebi Zavala, I believe, called him the B word and then said, what the F was that? Because it looked like he just he stood up and went. I thought it was his knee because it looked like it was knee to knee collision, which is yeah. never good. But yeah, it just looked like it was just a really awkward play. I, I don't know. He just maybe got caught in between what was happening there. But it's certainly unfortunate. You never like to see something like that happen. But then, yeah, the add insult to injury, the the nonsense of this guy writhing in pain on the ground and everybody else is out there shoving and calling each other. It was really unfortunate. I think he was coached into that play a little bit. Something around baseball the last couple of years, it's a completely legal play, is when a runner's coming home from third and there's a ground ball to third base, they're being coached now. You can see it. They're, they're, they want them running as far into fair territory as they can to try to upset the throw, right? Mm-hmm. So you can, you can see him veer slightly into fair territory and then I put him on an angle when he finally came in to slide. It was an awkward slide. And he was coming right into Sabala's leg because he was moving to his left to make the tag. And before, you didn't see, we didn't always see that. People took a more direct line between third and home. I just wonder if he would have had a, a safer slide in if that had been the case. And I think one of the things, too, about that play, or the whole situation, too, for the Pirates is that they were expecting a lot of big things out of him, but they've been getting credit to Brian Reynolds, who they were trying to renegotiate their contract with. So there's some opportunities there for the Pirates to at least be competitive. Now, they, John, the one thing about last year compared to this year is yes, the rotation took a hit pretty early on. But I think last year was the last year we saw, like, they they'd signed, for example, Chase Anderson, but for whatever reason, they bring him up. They stuck with what they knew, even though Chase Anderson wasn't putting up great numbers in Toledo either, but they, they're they going to be a lot more assertive about this versus, you're right, they're going to be more proactive. But, however, I still think the Tigers could have, the Tigers could have done, at least, a, like I said, signed another arm, another arm. We were talking about that off offseason. One more arm would have, I think, would have been fine. If we, if knowing now that we know, you look at the way the minor league assignments are right now. Austin Bergner is pitching on the bullpen in Erie. Bo Brisky, right. by the way. Bo Brisky, by the way, we got no update from Hinch, but he's supposed to see another doctor, which is not good. Man. So Brisk, there might be a possibility. Again, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but there might be a possibility we won't see Bo Brisky pitch this year. I do think that John does make a, a point in that I think that they are probably going to cycle through a whole bunch of relievers this year in, until they find the, the guys who perform. And so the, it'll probably get better, but I don't know what the ceiling is because like you got Will Vest who's been getting bombed in Toledo <laughs> didn't have a good spring. He's not looking great. Now um, Brendan White has, has been good so far, but he's on the 40 man. So we're probably going to see him soon. So there, there will be some movement. They'll probably try Kevin Castro at some point, Miguel Diaz at some point. You mentioned Del Pozo. Who knows what's going to happen with Trevor Rosenthal? So there are some options, but it just doesn't. It, it feels like it, it's hard to right now to guess who's going to end up being reliable. It's always just kind of rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic vibe to those names. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's really <laughs> hope that somebody comes up and 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 establishes themselves. But all those guys, other than Brendan White, have had time in the big leagues, and and for whatever reason, are not there now. Yeah, I, I think it will get better over the course of the year just through moving some players around, but I, I don't know how good it's going to get. We saw Lang. Lang's the nominal closer, right? And he, he gave up another run today, although that was based on, the I think, what Haas couldn't squeeze that ball at home plate. But no strikeouts for Lang today, I don't think. It, it's, yeah, I don't know. It, it's hard to know what you're going to get from this bullpen any day. Yeah, and that's the, where the problem is, is that I think that even now, Hinch, so one of the questions over the weekend where I think Chris Fantasky asked him was, are they looking at, and I posted a video on the Tiger Miley Report Twitter about asking, asking Hinch if they've already started looking at AA and AAA, and they, they, they said, yes, we, we can look at it, but we haven't way too early. And he's right. Tim, 
to me, especially when you play St. Paul, for in the case of Toledo, for example, they played St. Paul and Omaha. Pitch-wise, they don't really have a lot of pitchers that are really blue co- or blue chip prospects, mm-hmm. if you will. A good indication would be something like Erie, for example. Erie had they faced Gavin Williams, and then they fished, fished or pitched against Joey Contil, who was a really highly regarded Guardians pitching prospect. And Erie finished two and one in the series, and they got to Gavin. They didn't get to Gavin Williams because Gavin Williams was like just he shouldn't be at Double A. It's ridiculous, but Pitching wise, Akron's got some pretty decent prospects. So is so is West Michigan, or so, excuse me, Fort Wayne. But if we're looking at the two higher levels right now, Erie, to me, what we saw yesterday with Ty Madden should be encouraging. Ty Madden was, again, I know it's just one start, but I we mm-hmm. it was the most dominating start I've ever seen him pitch. He looked like a completely different pitcher. So everybody in the chat, if you want me to post this video, I will post it. Right now, you should see it. It's a thing it, it reminded me a little bit of, I don't know if you guys remember this, but the beginning of last year, we got to see Wilmer Flores, his first outing in West Michigan. And it was three innings. I think he struck out seven. And it was just like, oh, my God, he's too good for this level. Now, we don't know. Madden's was pretty spectacular, but we, we do need to see it some more. But, yeah, that was a very encouraging sign. But we also know, like, you know, it's not a finished product, even still. Reese Olsen put up great stats in, in – Erie last year, and he's been getting bombed in Toledo because he doesn't have that fastball command. And Madden's is still a little bit light too, but it was everything else that he was throwing was just was nasty, and the fastball was working for him. I, I'd put an up arrow next to his name, but again, it's just one start. I like the I like the Larry Love here with this question: Over under saves Tigers closer this year twenty. I go. I'm gonna have to say under twenty mm-hmm. saves. I'm gonna go under for for sure. Didn't we, when I we did our over under at the beginning of the year, I think for Lang, wasn't it 17 and a half or 18 and a half? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I said under because I just think they'll, I think the job will rotate around people. And, and again, I think they're going to win 65 games. So how many saves will there be? 60. With this offense? Yeah, that's no, true. Uh, yeah. No, I think, I think it was 18. I, yeah. I, I mean, it's, is, is Lang really the closer? We don't really know. Have they even had? I guess they had a closing situation in Houston once or twice, didn't they? Yeah. They used Lang in like the seventh inning today, and I think the reason for that, it was just they wanted to use him in a high-leverage situ- yeah. situation. So I guess that technically means that they thought he was their best reliever because it was a game that they were obviously in, and they thought mm-hmm. putting him in, in the seventh would give him the best chance to win. The same situation wasn't imminent. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, and I don't think, to be frank, I don't think A.J. Hinch cares about saves as a stat, right? Wow. So probably doesn't care about wins or losses as a stat either for, for pitchers. Cares about wins and losses for a team. I, I don't, it's, it's tough to picture more saves than, than the 15, 20. Although Soto, did Soto, Soto top 30 last year, right? Yeah, he might have. Yeah. On a 66-win team? Sure, I guess it's possible. I think for the offense, we're talking about the pitching. For the offense, I think the first domino that could fall is Zach McKinstry. Because like you said, he just hasn't had that much success at the major league level. Kind of just like a a last-minute addition to the team. How much of a rope do you guys think he's going to be given before we can see him maybe released and and a younger guy brought up to be given an opportunity? I I would say at least until the end of April. I think I'm trying to think of the times when guys showed up and got cut really quickly. And it was Alex Gonzalez, I think, who was the shortstop that we taught you. Like he was gone after like three weeks, maybe. About that. Sometimes it's sometimes it's just like you had an injury at the beginning of the year and you needed a guy. But they liked something about him, his left-handedness mostly. But yeah, I think he would be the the obvious candidate to go. And and Andre Lipsius is off to a relatively slow start in Toledo, although if you watch, he's got a lot of strikeouts and not a lot of walks, but he's still put together really good at bats, so it's just, I, I assume that'll change soon, but Justin Henry Malloy, he's not on the 40-man, which is going to be an issue there, but he's got a 537 on base percentage right now. He's he's getting on base even when he doesn't get on base. He he reached today two hits, a hit-by-pitch, and two errors, which don't mm-hmm. count as on base percentage, but there you go, he's on base. So, that could be a bit of a boon. What you want to see from him now, I think, is more, he doesn't have an extra base hit yet, He's got a bunch of hits, and he's hitting the ball fairly hard, so just want to see him do some more damage. But, yeah, there, there are some options there, but I do think that they they just don't want to give up on people like that, like out of the organization this quickly because, I don't know, there, there is a – I mean, that was one of the complaints about Al Avila is that he wasn't a great 
evaluator and, and would hold on to guys too long. So hopefully Harris's chain or whatever you want to call it is, is it too long, but I do think you want to give a guy more than seven, eight games. Yeah. It's again, it's that thing. He's, he's, he's the last man on the roster or, or close to it without any argument. Who cares? I just don't care. They can carry him for three months. Great. I don't care. Again, the only thing this season for me that is going to be judged on is Torkelson and Green improving, a couple of the other young guys looking like potential ball players, and if they can cobble together some kind of pitching staff, they'll have a presentable season. None of that other stuff matters much to me. Zach McKinstry, Zach Short, Andre Lipsius getting a few at-bats a week as the utility man, okay. That's fine. Again, that's another that's another deck chair on the deck, Titanic example, worrying about Zach McKinstry. And I'm not just saying you guys, I'm not saying that at all. I've seen it everywhere. Oh, McKinstry sucks. He's got to go. Great. But that does, that's not going to change a damn thing. I'm glad you bring that up, Uper, because I think this is, this is, here we, are we really surprised? This is the same, we're the same, the Tigers are the same fan base. The Tigers have the same fan base that, Really gets into Don Kelly a lot. They they idolize Don Kelly, which I to me I will never understand. I will never understand that as long as I live. But it happens again. Also, if you if you want to go back further, Jim Wally or Will Wander, Will Wander, the, the team Detroit <laughs> likes those kind of people, and that's fine. But that's where we're at right now because it's also. By the way, there's a drinking game involving the podcast and. Oh, John, did I know, you John, see that? Yeah. Oh, John, you didn't see that message, did you? No. Mm-hmm. I'll show you the rules. We had a listener who sent in a drinking game for us and uh, based off our mannerisms. It's so, pretty good. Yeah. It, it was fun. Good. That was awesome. Yeah. Chris, yeah. Chris Paterio, Paterio is another one for, is another example of that. Always, always, they're more interested in the backup goalie or the backup quarterback or the utility guy. I will never understand it at all. And here's the thing, if, if, if the Tigers were good, McKinstry would fall into that realm of guys that they love at the end of the bench because they're scrappy and whatnot. Don Kelly played on some wonderful baseball teams, okay? He didn't prevent them from being great baseball teams. He didn't really help them being a great baseball team all that much. But it didn't matter because they had real studs on the baseball team that carried it, okay? So that's why... I don't care who the 26th man is now. The rest of the team sucks. Let's just say it. Okay, they're not good. They're not going to be very good until they up the talent level at the high end, okay, and the middle tier. But the little guy, there's always going to be a 26th man. Just deal with it. Zach McKinstry, Zach Short, who cares? Yeah. Well, you you did say you were looking for positives, like, in the young hitters. I think there's positives to be to be looked at with Akil Badu, I know it's only two games, but he hit really well in AAA and was called up. Kerry Carpenter, we talked about him before the podcast started. I mm-hmm. think he's he's looked pretty well. Riley Green, his ground ball percentage is down almost about 10%. And then Spencer Torkelson has been a little better, obviously, to the standard of last year. So I think you just have to look at the in, individual performances, just like the Pistons. They just had one of the worst seasons They've ever had, but you just have to look at, at the young players like Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran. You just have to look at these young players and see the growth and, and trust that in a few years they're going to help lead this team to where they want to go. And, and to guys like Matt Boyd or Spencer Turnbull or these relievers that are struggling, does it really matter? Because are they honestly going to be here in a year or two from now? Probably not. Yeah, but I understand. But people are, unfortunately, people don't have any patience. They want to see something now. And, and with the, the way the piston, Chris. But yeah, no, it, it's just there's a, there's also plenty of frustration with the veteran guys. The guys, Javi Baez is getting all sorts of uh, disdain right now, and, and he's yeah. not playing well. Oh. So I get it. And and people still want scope gone, and I get it. And there, we I, I, I don't know, you guys already touched on Austin Meadows or whatever, and we, we talked about, okay, lay off the guy. But I understand when fans are upset about that trade, when you're you're not getting anything in return. Like, you can you can... You could feel for the guy and and hope he gets better, but also be upset that, that the team has gotten nothing from him. And it's not, it's not, you're not blaming him. It's just, it's just the way it goes. You lost out on that. So it's, it's just a bad start to the season. There's nothing else you could say, man. Ow. Nobody, nobody's hitting again. And what, what, Chucky Scribner? Yeah, that's a name I yeah. haven't. Yeah. So I, I do think that, yeah, you, 
we you hang your hat on, or you just hope that that Green continues to develop and that Torkelson's more of those hits fall and Badu can can be more twenty twenty one than twenty twenty two and hope that we've seen some flashes from Veerling that were pretty nice. You had that one really good game in Houston. Still waiting for Maton to do anything other than walk. Struck out three times, four times today. Mm-hmm. And it's a bummer because we saw he looked good in spring. He hit what four or five home runs. But but boy, is it just every year? It's just a great reminder that spring training just does not matter one bit. You see all these guys putting up big numbers and then they come out and do it absolutely nothing. The yeah. guys who look awful in spring come out and look solid. Remember how bad Tyler Alexander looked in spring training? He's been solid so far this year. It's I don't know. It is it's it's hard to find anything to to be excited about other than the fact that there are what 165 more games or 155 more games, 152, three more games, right? Yeah. Yeah, 153. 153 more games. There's plenty of time to get better or worse. Yeah. I don't understand getting upset about the veterans either because it's like Jonathan Scope, Miguel Cabrera, Javi Baez, all these guys. These aren't Scott Harris guys. Javi Baez, unfortunately, is probably going to be here for the long haul. But these guys are, are, are going to be gone probably after this year. I don't really if scope is terrible, then he'll, he probably won't even make it through the year, the year. So it's like what, I don't understand getting upset about the veterans struggling. I, I do think that there's an aspect of people are just tired of seeing these guys. Yeah. And, and you see a lot of fans don't, don't want to hear, they don't care that there's a new GM. They just care that it's been awful baseball for six, seven years in a row now, which is, we try to be, put some perspective in. This is a guy who, who inherited this, this team. And he made some moves. He didn't completely overhaul the roster because, again, I think he was a little bit hamstrung. But, yeah, people don't want to hear it. They want to see results or they want to see something change. And, and it, it, right now, the first nine games look too much like last year. And that, that's just going to make everybody upset. There was, you know what was interesting was there was something on Twitter. It was a, a gentleman who works for Cranes who posted a picture of the chairs at Comerica. They had a little bit of rust on them and they looked a little beat up. And they immediately was just a pile on thing where it was like this is how tires don't care and there i guess there was a section that's been crumbling there's some parts of comerica that are showing their age don't no doubt in my mind so even with like the the, the rush quote-unquote rush job on the, the wall which i wanted that's want to circle back to real quick about the podcast in terms of that is that looking at that there was i, I didn't know we had so many architects in the city of in michigan is it was just talking about how bad the wall looked. I mean, honestly, if you did not look at that, let's say you were you had no idea that they extended the wall. Could you really tell? Honestly, it just didn't. Again, we're that part. A lot of people were making really upset about that. There's nothing behind the wall. Ground didn't break till February first, so they literally just did this last minute. And that's the you can blame whoever you want to blame on that. And that's and you have every right to be. You have a right to gripe. I understand. But that was another thing over the weekend that I was just perplexed on. How many people really, it was like the same thing with, on the artist rendition of the Joe, on the Little Caesars Arena, it was supposed to have these red lights and people threw it that didn't happen. District of Detroit, the whole District of Detroit thing has been a slow go or a joke in certain cases. Stadium, I, I don't, like the Tiger Stadium, yes, and, and Metal Bug brings up a good point. Tiger Stadium had a big, giant, damn flagpole in the middle. I don't <laughs> remember, people bitch about that. Deeper? I don't know. You would you know better than I would. I don't know if people complained about it, but it was always it was often brought up all the time. It was a talking point that the flagpole was in the field of play. Yeah, I like I like Larry Love's comment. The wall is fine. Score some runs. Yeah, yes. that's, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> well, Larry, thank you. What's that, Larry? Because that's that. Yeah, it doesn't it, score runs. Win a game. Make plays. Yeah, make plays. Yeah, I don't. Know. It it's. I don't know. There's just, it's, it's, it's just a, a shame. And we want one of these years, we'd like to see the Tigers get off to a hot start again. I don't know well, when know, the last time they did that. Eh. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. But does the hot start really matter at the end of that? Like me and you were talking about this. The Angels got off to a hot start last year. Didn't matter. The Pirates, they're looking pretty good the first couple games of the season. Does it really matter if you get off to a good start or not? Yes, it, it, yes, it does when it comes to the Tigers. And I'll tell you why. When the Tigers have done historically, for example, this comes to mind for 06 as an example. 06, they actually got off to a really good start, and they faded towards the end. Whereas before, if you remember, you, you probably remember this too, the Tigers 
when the Tigers are off to a historically speaking, like the 35 and five historic start. Okay. That that's historic, but every Tigers team that has done anything of success has a really good first month and second. They're somewhat either over 500 or they're, they're competitive. So when they off to, when they're off to this kind of a bad, bad start like this, then yeah, I think it does matter because the, the Tigers historically speaking are not a, Terms of second half team, the eighty four team struggled in the second half of the season. the 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 only team that comes to mind that I could think of that was very good towards the end of the sec- half of the season was the eighty seven Tigers. Um, mm-hmm. all other times it was just like what, Chris? I remember that was kind of the the stigma against Jim Leland for a while was that they were get off to hot starts and then fade down the stretch, like two thousand six when they lost the the division on the final day of the season. I think. In 2009, the the horrible collapse. But then 2011, they had a monster close to the season. I, I want to say that they were within like two games of the White Sox, and then just blew them away in one. Ended up winning 95 games, I think. So that was that was like so much for that. But but for me, like I wasn't expecting the Tigers to win this year anyway right. to do anything. I just think for the fans, it would be nice to have a hot start. So they're because what you get right now is hey, just two weeks into the season, and we already have given up, yeah. which is never great. It's it's like the Lions starting 0-6 or whatever the hell they did this year, where it was like, ah, boy. But we saw what those Lions did, didn't we? They turned it around, and they drove Aaron Rodgers right out of town. And so maybe, <laughs> maybe these Tigers will turn things around, and they'll get rid of, I don't know, who do we hate in the Central? Well, it depends Everybody. on the liberty. Yeah, I, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, doesn't the matter. Guardians, sir. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I just think for fans, it would have been nice to have something like, hey, this is fun. This team's kind of fun, instead of, oh, my God. Not this again. Oh, yeah. I think they'll be good. Like we saw in the 2021 team, they got they really played well down the stretch after starting off. I believe it was nine and 24. I don't know. It's it's only nine games. I don't think, like I said, I think 40 games is really what, when you can start being able to look at guys and to evaluate the team. So the Tigers are heading to Toronto. Toronto's got their own opener on Tuesday. So Matt Manning will take the hill against Alex. Noah, who has just been a, he, so far this season, he just has the. I'm sorry, he has two starts. He got blown up against St. Louis. He had no decision, but against Kansas City, came back down seven innings, four walks, and five strikeouts. Just allowed a hit. Okay, that's Kansas City. So who knows what he's gonna do against the Tigers? Man, man, start. There's some. They showed some signs. So against Houston, he I thought he hung in there, pitched pretty pretty decently, but yeah. Going up against a pretty formidable lineup in the Blue Jays, who have Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s off to a torrid start. Yes, he is. Can Matt Manning get through that lineup twice? Will he see a will he will he see the leadoff hitter a third time? I don't think so. And they they need him to because it's they, they need innings other starters. Yeah, so that, last, last in MLB right now, innings from starters. So Wednesdays, Wednesdays, Aurora Rodriguez versus Kevin Cosman. So that should be actually that's going to be a pretty good matchup too. And as far as what Rodriguez has done against the Jays in terms of, it doesn't look really good. Matt Chapman batting three got OPS against over a thousand against them. So that will be that will be another. That's a tall order. And then to end the game or excuse me, the end of series rather, on thir- on Thursday. It will be Spencer Turnbull against Chris Bassett, who's not off to a good server. I think if we can win one of those games and have two competitive losses, I think I, I'd be happy. I don't know if other people would be happy. But John Ugly. sets a high bar. Yeah. <laughs> I like your rationale, John, because 108 lost team. Yeah. Um, Wait, you got two win? You think we could win two out of three? No, no. I, what do I think? I yeah. think anything other than a sweep is, is like, <laughs> hey, we got got lucky. But, yeah, it would be nice to take a couple games. I, I do think Manoa is a, is a big, got great stuff. He's a big emotional guy. I think opening day he's probably going to shut the Tigers down and it's going to be annoying. Gosman is also very good, but the Tigers have gotten to him before. I think he's like a two-pitch guy, really, and, and he used to just dominate the Tigers back when he wasn't dominating anybody else. It was super annoying. And then since he's gotten good against everybody, they've been okay against him, I think. So it's just weird. But yeah, I don't know. I'm looking forward to, I want to, our, our buddy Brandon Day in, in our one of our private chats mentioned something about Matt Manning. And I want to give Brandon full credit because he was the one who, who noticed this and he'll probably write about it. I don't want to blow up his spot, but Matt Manning's extension on his fastball has gone from 6.9 feet to 7.3 feet this year. 
mm-hmm. which is about as much extension as you'll see from anybody in baseball. And yet his fastball batters hit 198 against it last year. They're hitting 400 against it this year. So I, I don't know. But yeah, you, you hope that it, it's not a very overpowering fastball in terms of velocity, but it's for whatever reason last year, guys just couldn't hit it very hard. So you hope that that's the case against a very good fastball hitting game. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's hard to sneak a fastball past Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero Jr., but we'll see. I'm crossing my fingers there. Yeah, I don't know. Is there any, if you, real quick, is there anyone you want to see over the next couple of weeks get going? Any guy in particular? For me, it'd probably be Nick Nick Maton, just because he's really strong. He's had some, taken some good walks, but he really has struggled. Obviously, four strikeouts today. I think he's the one guy I'd like to see get going over these next couple of games. He's a guy that, that keeps keeps going like this. He's going to end up in Toledo. That's just the way it is. You love his defensive versatility, but you need some offensive production with that. It's uh, kind of the same with Ryan Kreidler. They love his defense, but eventually they're going to have to have some guys who can hit. I'd, I'd like to see Baez pick it up. I'd like to see some of those hits start falling for torque. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it's just need everybody to pick it up a little bit. Just a couple more hits. Just a few more hits. Instead of hitting 180, try 210. <laughs> Again, high bar. Yeah. So high you, know, bar. Uh, you know what I want? Honestly, want, I want to... In, you, bro, I'll let you go next here. I want Javi Baez to go out there and have a good week. Honestly, he needs a good week. Tiger fans have been just... Again, here's the thing that, too, I don't understand. He's a free swinger. That's what you signed. How is this news to anybody? Did I did I miss the boat? <laughs> Every Tiger fan used to make fun of him when he was swinging like that at the Cubs. So stop pretending that he's. Anyway, I I'm gonna pull up. The, I gotta pull up the drinking game too. But Uper, go ahead. Oh, for me, I I, I mentioned to, to see more Akil Badu. You mentioned earlier, Raj. Some people think he's a four A player. I've seen other people say well, this is a make or break year for him, which I don't agree with either. But he has options left. They're going to keep him around a while until they have, have to do something. The guy has skills. He's a great athlete. He, he's shown us some things that he can do. He's had a very hit and miss minor league career with injuries and being a rule five guy. He hasn't had a traditional growth development stage, I should say. I think the guy could still be a player, and I think he's still young enough to develop into a player. That's the guy I'm going to be watching. I, I hope he continues swinging the bat pretty well. He did get dusted by Kenley Jansen today. He was overmatched in that at-bat, but he did have a couple of hits as well the last two days, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, just like you said, there's no shortage of comeback player of the year. There's no shortage of guys that we want to see get better. Like, dude, I was, I'm looking at like the list of players. There's like at least five, <laughs> probably more than that, of guys I'd like to see. Be a, be a little bit better over these next couple. So I have found this. Okay, so I got to give a shout out to our listener. You know, Brian Coel sent this in, and I'm going to pull it up on our. So if you're watching this on YouTube, we're going to pull this up for you. And this was this was sent, and it was all good fun, and I really like it. So, Brian, thank you again. We're going to give you a shout out for this. Hey guys, just wanted to say how great the podcast is. My friends listen to it all the time. We listened so much, we've created a, use our old podcast name, so that's now changed. I didn't check the email. This is an email that I admitted I should have checked earlier, but I didn't get a chance to. Podcasting dream. Here are the official rules. Every time Uper talks about cheap owners, take a drink. Boom. Boom. That's there. Every time Chris has to pronounce the player's name for Raj, take a drink. All right? That's that's accurate. Every time a reference, every time a reference for something that's happened pre two thousand. It has to be explained to John. Take a drink. You guys will probably take a couple of drinks tonight with this. Every time Roger goes on a Twitter's awful rant, take a drink. Every time Uper sticks up for terrible umpires, take a drink. <laughs> Every time Chris references the city of Michigan, take a drink. <laughs> no, no, hold on. Is, is that something I do fairly frequently? Something I've not realized that I'm a real provincial Michigan mentioner? Yeah, I, yeah. I can see it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm I learning things about myself. Yeah, and Brian, shout out to Brian for the Frankenmuth to figure out some things. <laughs> every time Roger, every time Raj says he was at a Tiger Miley Bar, take a drink. Every time Uper says you can never have too many arms, take a drink. <laughs> That's one of my personal favorites. And then this one was pretty funny. Every time Chris speculates on an ethnic background of a player's last name, take a drink. What? 
just because Mike Pafersky is very clearly Polish. But and the most important rule is every time Rogers says, "Look, the bottom line is chug your whole drink." <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I thought about. I don't say that, and then I went back. I'm like, yeah, I do. Yeah, 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 I do. Yeah. So thank you. That was that was awesome. So we'll be back on Thursday as the Tigers will be finishing up their series in Toronto before they come home and play the Giants, I believe. Giants, yeah. So that's going to be another fun series. Thanks so much for listening to the Motor City Metrics Baseball Podcast here at Motor City. The name of her. We're not a, technically. I haven't posted the, this on Tiger Mother Report. I should, but uh, we appreciate everybody checking out both podcasts. So there's a couple people that. Tuned in to the Tiger Miley Report. We had Brett Gagne, the voice of the Erie Seawolves. We're going to be out there on Tuesday. So everybody who tuned in there and came over here, thank you. We appreciate that. And now we have a super chat feature over there. So if you want to donate a few bucks per gas or whatever, by all means, go for it. We don't have, we don't, again, Greg told us we have to say it more often, but I don't like asking people for money. If you want to donate, great. If you want to join, donate and go to our Patreon, Tigers Minor League Report, and go from there. So from myself, Chris, Uper, and John, we'll see you on Thursday evening, and have a good week, everybody. Thanks, Alex. Welcome back, John, by the way. I got yeah. to find out how that cruise went. Nobody fell off? No. <laughs> <laughs>